Sweat and Grime is brought to you by Sensit, the equipment monitoring experts. Learn more at sensit.io. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Grime. You got Brian back at the controls tonight. So fucking thank God. <laughs> we're we're okay, a little smoother on the intro. <laughs> but yes, over on the microphones, we have Mr. Dick Valco. Welcome, <laughs> And on the other microphone, we got Matt Motherfucker Totten. What up, yo? And on the phone this evening, we have Errol Ahmed. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Welcome great to, to the show, man. Yes, Pleasure welcome. To have you on. It has been a little bit of a shit show getting going this evening, but we are finally rolling here. Uh, for the audience and also for our other two hosts here, would you mind filling us in on what you do? Yeah, who the hell are you? <laughs> Who is this guy in the studio? Um, well, uh, you know, I work on communications at Built Robotics, and we're a company that makes the exosystem. And this is a aftermarket upgrade kit that you put on your heavy equipment, right now excavators, and the exosystem turns your machinery into a fully autonomous robot. Interesting. Now explain, so, elaborate a little bit more on this. Yeah, so basically we're bringing construction robotics to to contractors and construction workers, you know, across the country. You have your machinery, uh, let's say an excavator, you put the exosystem on the back of it, and now it's autonomous. And currently we focus on autonomous trenching. And it's pretty incredible. You, you basically start the robot, and it digs a trench. And you let it do its thing, and a few hours later you have a... You know, a couple hundred feet of trench stuff. Now, what, All right, oh. I got to stop it right there because I know everybody is pulling. <laughs> they're they're flipping. Their I'm scratching job, my fucking head trying job. to picture what the hell this <laughs> robot the, is. All the operators right now are just pinching themselves right now because they're like, I'm going to get my job. Yeah, I'm going to get replaced. Are you trying to replace people? No, not at all. I mean, we work really closely with uh, operators and we actually have a partnership with the IUOE. And we're working to train operators to be versed in running robots. You know, that's a new kind of role. We call them robotic equipment operators, REOs. Okay. And actually, a lot of these operators now are running the robots, and there's new responsibilities and tasks that you need to do with the robot. And on top of that, now they get freed up to do other things on the job site. Okay. So here's yeah. the deal, Errol. In, in well, being, what are those other things? Well, no, can, no, no. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Move a we've, shovel. We've they got, don't no, do that. hang on. We've got to. We're gonna slow play this because now we have the audience hooked that they're all gonna lose their jobs. Yeah. So, uh, Errol, as they should. take us back to <laughs> how you kidding. got into the industry. <laughs> we yeah. gotta make them wait till the end of the podcast to know whether or not they're gonna have a job at the end. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you leave him leave people with a little cliffhanger. Absolutely, this is this is basic salesmanship. So, how did you even come to be in the world of AI robotic technology? Yeah, well, you know, we myself personally, I've been in Silicon Valley for a number of years, working with a lot of startups, and you kind of uh, get bored with the typical startups. I think. Yeah. I mean, the problems they're trying to solve are not that difficult or interesting. You know, <laughs> social networking websites, I don't know. You know, it, it's, it doesn't really get you up in the morning. It doesn't really sure. uh, make your brain work hard. And, and actually, the people who need technology, the industries that need technology, haven't been able to get it because Silicon Valley doesn't build for them. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. And, and with Build, I saw this opportunity where a company was saying, hey, all the advances in AI, robotics, 
that are helping other industries, what if we could bring them to the construction? Because construction is the backbone of so much of our built world, of course, that uh, it, it deserves kind of the best tools. Yeah. And, and, that, and that drew me to build. That's interesting. Now, how did... How did this even get started? Was it just like you stumbled across it, though? Did you have some interest in it? Was it a robot just sitting right. on the ground? You're like, I'm going to put this fucker on a piece of equipment. <laughs> robot came knocking at my door and said, you've been <laughs> yeah. chosen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the job replacement began. Oh, man. <laughs> AI, one of them. You guys are going to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I actually am, uh, have worked with the founder of Built Robotics before, Noah Reedy Campbell. Okay. Um, and it's co-founder Andrew Lang. And, you know, just in conversation, like, what are you guys up to lately? And they mentioned this project and it really got my interest. Oh, you know, just out uh, in the garage, fucking around with an excavator. Yeah, right. Trying to make it run yeah. by itself. the neighbor's house the other day. Uh, you know, yeah. good thing they had insurance. <laughs> the bitch was Funny short and out. Because, uh, you know, no- Noah, who's, who helped start the company, you know, he wanted to do this. He was talking to his dad. His dad was a carpenter, is a carpenter. Um, and he grew up working in construction sites. And he was telling his dad, hey, what if we made, you know, robots for construction? And his dad's like, that's not going to work. You don't even know how to use a piece of equipment. Before you want to before you want to change construction, how about you get into an excavator? Yeah, so you and, understand, and, yeah. And so yeah, we headed down then, to our Sunbelt rental. <laughs> he did. did Noah he called the, put a $3 million uh, coverage on our freaking piece of equipment we rented? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think AAA covers that. Um, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> and they farm. brought, you know, he, he rented an excavator. They brought it to his parents' house, and he had no idea how to use it. He talked to the driver. The driver gave him a basic demo, and he dug a huge pond for his parents. <laughs> I don't know if his parents wanted that pond, but they got a huge hole dug in their backyard. That's wow. awesome. Um, and then that's how it started. Yeah, and I could just see him there because he's a techie kind of guy. He's like, this fucking sucks so bad. We need to make a robot. <laughs> the wheels start turning right away. Yeah. It's actually really interesting kind of spin. So how no, do you... Don't go ahead. How did this kind of progress one thing into another after you had this initial conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, I saw the robots working on these job sites. And back then we were on CTLs, Skidsteers, Gozers mostly. Um, we just started working on excavators and foundation excavations. So, and it was kind of amazing because I was on the site. It was a residential master plan community. Yeah. And you just see the vast necessity, the amount of dirt that needs to move. And I'm kind of impressed, you know, I would see the construction crews on this site and they seem like pretty small teams. And I'm like, how are these few people manipulating all this land by themselves? I mean, mm-hmm. it's really impressive. I'm like, what if we could make it even more effective with robotics, with automation, so they could build even more? That's pretty impressive. You didn't say that close to the job site, did you? Yeah. You- that's called well, working I know you yourself out of work. You, you didn't get your ass beat. <laughs> Let's get him up here next to the local union hall. This is right. And be like, hey, by the way, guys, this is Errol, and he's replacing you. Now, how much does a robot get paid an hour? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I don't. It's, I well, think it's just an initial 
purchase. It's cheap, and the that's HR why you're fired, Matt. just like rolling over like, how the fuck do we cover this guy? Son like, of a bitch will work 24 hours a day. What, what are their demands going to be? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, fine. The union, when we were using our robots early on, uh, the union was aware really early on, and they got engaged quite soon, which was impressive. They're, they've been very proactive about it. They're like, hey, you know, you either work against something or you kind of try to engage with it and make it work for you, and I think yeah, the union's been really smart like that. Yeah, uh, we, we've been working with them to get it uh, working well. It's interesting that you're diving into, and it sounds like it's a, such a new topic. Like it's just coming out the latest and greatest. But you said that this technology has been around for a little while, so this isn't just something new that came out like a year ago. No, I mean you have automation in mining. Yeah, and that's been around since the nineties. And in automotive, you've had it since at least the 70s. Um, you know, the, the idea that workers should have some automation to help them work better and produce more is decades old. And, and I think right now we're in a rare moment where the cost of robotics and the sensors is really cheap. The necessity and need is high. It's this perfect match where uh, there's a lot of demand for it now. So you mentioned CTLs earlier. Are you guys, are there already robotic systems that you guys have for CTLs and dozers and you're just now moving into excavators or are you kind of dabbling in all kind of, where are you guys at overall? Yeah, we, we started with the, with the small things first and they did a lot of material handling, um, so worked on solar projects, moving pallets. And then the dozers were great. We did uh, grading. And what we found is, Excavators were probably the most popular. Yeah. From from what the contractors wanted. And they had the most excavators on a job site. So we've kind of focused on that. We've doubled down for now. And right now, we, we, our exosystems are made for excavators. Gotcha. Now, what does said robot look like? Does it look like a Terminator sits in a seat and runs the controls? Or is <laughs> Matt, it like Matt's imagination is running wild? I haven't Googled you guys yet to you know, Matt, see it with my it's own eyes. It's going to blow your fucking mind when there's nothing in it's, the seat. It's or is it just a freaking laptop he's convinced that, that ties that into the all the controls? And, he's uh, waiting for fucking yeah. Terminator to come walking <laughs> through the door like, ah, oh, be back. <laughs> <laughs> Two glowing red eyes. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> Shit, we've lost him. <laughs> and we, exactly. And when you turn the key off, mm-hmm. they slowly fade <laughs> to black. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. The eyes slowly fade. Yeah. Yeah. Not after it turns his head to look right at you. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, he pulls out his own phone to Facebook. <laughs> no, with all honesty, like, how do you guys tie or hook these up to yeah. general, like, anybody? Like uh, an excavator yeah, dozer? Piece of equipment. Yeah. You know, it, it's pretty practical. I mean, we want it to be just an aftermarket upgrade so you can use it, almost any type of excavator. And we put this kit on the back of the tail and we mount it up there, attach it, and then we add a few other sensors across the machine and then we hook it through the hydraulic system or the EH system. And so- this allows us basically to control the excavator just like you would from the cab all right so do you require eh controls on the excavator or are you able to tie into like an existing pilot system yeah we do need eh controls and in some cases we can upgrade a piece of machinery to uh, have eh gotcha so how do you make this thing work you just flick the switch and it turns on starts operating running itself or you have to get a little it more order 
Like, how, go go a little more depth in that. Of after you, yeah. how do you set this up? How do you go about it? How do you get this yeah. thing to start running and performing? And how much training is involved to walk away and let somebody that's never touched before dig something yeah. or watch it be dug? Yeah. So the whole. So let's say you have an excavator on your on your job site. You want it to be autonomous. We'll ship you an exosystem and a technician. Uh, well. The technician doesn't come in the same box. I was just about to say, do they come in the same box yeah, or is that little air, separate little air holes in it? <laughs> the little, the little robot just magically appears. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and then it takes, you know, a couple hours to do the installation, the uh, retrofit. Um, and then we calibrate the sensors. So about half a day, the machine has all everything it needs to run. Wow. Yeah, how much training for the actual operator to make sure it's doing its job? Yeah, for a robotic equipment operator, we have a training program. It's about 30 hours and and uh, hands-on training with someone from Build. And then they're sort of set up to now be responsible. and, and Now, is that training free of charge when you purchase a piece of uh, robotics, or you is that for an extra? Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it, you know, it's included as part of uh, the uh, cost of renting. Yeah, so I was just about to say, this isn't necessarily a system that I'm just going to go buy as a contractor. You guys right. are more on a rental basis, or do you guys also have them yep. available for purchase? Yeah, right now we're a rental, and the great thing about the economic there is you can have a really short term, about you know three months is our minimum to rent, mm -hmm. and you can kind of evaluate how it's working, and you don't have to do a heavy capital investment. Um, I think robotics scare people a little. They're expensive, but... With the rental model, they're off. pretty affordable. Well, I'm going to say Matt's not afraid of the cost. He's afraid of having this machine looming over him, waiting to destroy him. <laughs> exactly. That's all I'm worried about. We, we, we can paint it pink if you want. We could give oh, it a little, you can ooh, get breast right? cancer yeah, awareness? Fuck yeah. yeah. That'd Absolutely. Be great. Just crushing the cost. Skull. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, it looks so harmless now. Googly eyes on it. Yeah, yeah, that would be excellent. Googly so, eyes. <laughs> so going back to how do you how do you calibrate this thing and how do you get this excavator up and running? Yeah, you know, there's a number of IMU sensors we put on the uh, arm and on the on the machine. Those give it its kind of uh, positioning and sense of balance. There's a number of cameras we put on for perception, and that is useful for pedestrian detection. And seeing the environment, it also allows the operators to see what the robots see. Interesting. And then uh, GPS units, and then <clears> the <throat> so as as this technology progresses, you know, I, I we kind of envision this as just being one operator per machine. But in reality, as the, as the technology progresses, and let's say we've got a good good sized job site, we've got three or four of these. Realistically, how many of these machines can one operator have control over and maintain and monitor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I you know we're still sort of testing what that sweet spot is. You know, obviously, the more machines get to monitor, the more likely you'll miss something on a, on a specific machine. So right now, you know, typically it's one to two machines a person. Gotcha. And uh, some of our partners, you know, they want one machine, one person, and that's usually the safest way of doing. Are you but are you walking around technology. the house or something there, Harold? <laughs> I think it's. Oh no, I'm not. Am no, I, it's a, are you on speakerphone? Yeah, it's echo. Yeah, I'm on speakerphone. So I'm. There's a lot of echo coming back, and it's actually your phone's trying to cancel it out, and so yeah, you're cutting in and out. Is it possible to get you to just talk into the phone? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, there yeah. we go. Let me do that. Is this better? Oh, oh much better. That's, yeah. that's glorious. That's right, okay. Okay. Now, gonna, but now you get that go, though. That's <laughs> okay. Now we need you I like to re- my own voice. repeat what you were yeah, doing. Right? Now we'll start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we'll start from, uh, yeah. Play the music. Welcome to Sweat and Grind, <laughs> yeah. Carol. How'd you get there? So let's really, I, I do really want to go back in your career. How did you get into, you've got to be, are, are you a programmer or what is your role within this, this AI robotics world? Yeah, I work, you know, we're a small startup. So a lot of us actually wear many different hats. Yep. Um, you know, I help handle education and communications, getting the word out about the robots, you know, maintaining our public presence. Mm-hmm. But then also I work closely on the product side. Um, I have a background in UX and, and front-end programming yeah. and you know developing the software that operators use to run the robots um, and, and trying to create something that makes it easy and safe to use the robots and something that's intuitive and simple. So, so that's kind of our goal. You make it sound so simple. So how simple <laughs> yeah. is this really to just program this robot to run an excavator? Well, I mean, in the back end, it's doing some pretty advanced stuff. You know, there's a few parts to it. There's uh, motion technologies, and this is what gives the robot a sense of balance and space. Then there's perception and vision, and this is what lets the robot see. And then finally, there's machine learning, which takes a lot of that data and processes it and and kind of makes decisions. Like, is is the dirt, you know, what kind of dirt am I digging in? Uh, and if is my balance correct? Should I adjust how I'm approaching this 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 volume of dirt? Um, where do I dump my spoils? You know, some basic stuff, some advanced stuff. But you know that that's why we have an entire kind of computer on the back of the excavator. Now, is this able to hook up with to like a GPS system after they go across and they survey the land and they're saying we're doing three thousand yards of export in this mm-hmm. spot here and we're going to move it. 30 feet to the west is this able to program or are you able to pick it up with the gps system and yeah and so we'll usually use a lot of these sites already have base stations set up and we'll hook into their uh local gps all right so when it comes to the actual user interface I, in my mind i'm envisioning someone out there with an ipad or a laptop and they're kind of going through and clicking some buttons well, what is the the actual operator experience are you telling the machine where it needs to put spoils and where it's okay to go and where the trench is and what percent grade it is what are your kind of inputs how do you yeah how do you program this thing yeah you're right that that's and that's kind of the role of the robotic equipment operator is is actually effectively and smartly using the robot um you know the robot will do what you tell it so you have to be careful of what you tell it to get the outcomes you want. Murder Matt. Not not too much Matt. You kind of need pretty basic. If I can do it, you know, would the robot stop though? If somebody did stumble across a job site that shouldn't be there or would it just scoop their ass up and throw them around? (laughs) Yeah. Where does the safety come in with that? Yeah. There's, there's sort of an eight layer safety system. And part of that is the perception cameras, if they see pedestrians or, or people in the distance, the robot stops. You know, if 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 they're in the geofence area, the robot will see them and stop. <laughs> Great. We're going to have a bunch of hippies out there holding a bunch of 
fake audience against the fence so this thing just doesn't move. That's right. Oh man, that that's an interesting test. That was <laughs> a little a little cardboard cutout. Now that you've been into this role and you've started automating machines, what benefit and what feedback have you guys got as those steps have started coming along pretty well? Yeah, I mean one of the things that we've learned a lot is just the complexity of of a job site. I mean it's 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 basically like a factory, but it's outside and it's constantly moving and changing. Yes. And you know, robots can be very limited, like they can't adjust quickly to a situation. Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time developing our robotic technology to, to actually be responsive, to not be so rigid in its thinking, so to speak. And that allows us to work in a lot of different conditions, uh, soil types, different kinds of elevations, and kind of really building a really robust tool for trenching. Mm. And that's another thing uh, you learn. You know, you can automate everything, but can you automate it well? Yeah. And, you know, we're saying, hey, let's get trenching perfect, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Because yeah, I'm thing. sitting here thinking, like, shit, you got two-mile trench to do. You only can do X amount in eight hours. Like once everybody goes home, can this beast just keep on rocking? When you come back, you just kind of pick up where they left off or put them on another two mile trench. You could see what the guy would be <laughs> right here. That's running the robot. Fucking Matt would turn the thing on. You go to RV. Can I make it to the bar? Yeah. Hit the bar, come yeah. back, big boss, check it out. <laughs> that's a good no question. Big deal. You on vacation, come back, your basement's dug. <laughs> Fucking Matt. That'd be amazing. Oh yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we've done some uh, overnight operations. We've done operations where the robot works ahead of time, so when the crews come in in the morning, they kind of lay their infrastructure right away. Now, do, like, what if something catastrophic goes with wrong with the machine, and it doesn't? Does it recognize that when you say down? catastrophic? Like, do you mean it becomes yeah. sentient? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like something starts to fail, but you keep on pushing through, and it just makes it worse. It I just don't destroys want to the machine here anymore, Matt. The robot did all. Or does it have like safe, uh, sensors yeah. that shut everything down upon some kind of green light? Yeah, like red hydraulic light. failure yeah. or something like that. Yeah. The yeah. fucking yeah. trunk monkey comes out and unplugs the robot. Yeah, right. Wreaks <laughs> <laughs> havoc. Uh, you know, it, it's it has all the same readings of the that the machine gets normally, or an all operator right. would get. So we we get all of those, and then on top of that, we have something called Guardian. It's a real person, twenty four seven monitoring of the robot while it's digging. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, and Shit, so you guys got have a lot of people watching stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, or are yeah, they well, all AI? You know, Actually, while Errol is doing this supported. podcast, he's watching four machines. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to run these robots as well. Yeah, hey, can you hang on just a second? I got a, <laughs> yeah. I got a machine trying to dig up a dog. <laughs> he's a babysitter now. He's like, yeah, that guy's fucking up. <laughs> now, what's been uh, some close encounters? Obviously, you got to have some good stories of. Something just not going right. During all your beta testing. Yeah. You're out there. <laughs> not to throw the company uh, into the yeah. hole, but. But the machine know. comes yeah. alive and starts trying to kill you. Yes. Like, what what kind of good situations well, have you got into? Yeah. A lot that of the haven't come to life yet. Um, you know, a lot of them have been around weather conditions. I mean, we were working in uh, the Great Plains area and during the winter. And honestly, these sensors and components would just freeze. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'd come in the morning and the robot wouldn't turn on. 
So what we learned is a lot of the sensors and robotic tools used for indoor robots definitely don't work in construction. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dust. Oh, so animals. you you need to me to uh, you know come up with a brainstorm like an idea of putting like a a, a heater pack on it, <laughs> like yeah, a blanket, maybe a little toaster oven inside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, send me the specs and I'll build something tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll patent it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, send them right over. <laughs> yeah, I mean animals too. They, they they can once they get in the machine, uh, eating wiring. Oh yeah. Oh, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> which which that's kind of a question so your software is tracking people but what mm-hmm. happens if a dog or a cat or something comes across or a deer does it pick that up as well or Fuckers is it really dead. just look <laughs> is it really just looking for people yeah you know the machine learning that identifies obstacles is really great at identifying people animals it's less uh advanced there they don't have but the a good soul thing so around yeah. it is um it uses a machine learning set and kind of builds that database over time. Gotcha. So it's constantly kind of learning. We need to and tweak we, that fucker a little bit and make a movie. <laughs> I just, you know, let have you guys the, heard about this movie from the, the golden, <laughs> yeah, the golden right. dude will come running across the fucking job. It's <laughs> 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 fucking a. <laughs> you know, the, uh, a lot of the livestock around the job sites we work at, they're really smart. They do not approach the machine. <laughs> they like they they hear the engine sound and they're like, "No, nah, I'm gonna." I'm gonna yeah, stay I don't right. know what the fuck that is, but I don't want anything to do is. with it. <laughs> All except for deer when you're mulching. Uh, yeah, deer suckers yes. coming ten, fifteen feet from you. Yeah, boom. They don't Oof. care. <laughs> so let's oh, go way back. Uh, what kind of what was your kind of career path that brought you to even being involved in this, you know, kind of being in the Silicon Valley area? What's what's your overall background? Oh wow, this is well, let's go oh, back to like middle, let's, 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 go, let's go back to middle school. Yeah. You understand. Yeah. You know, let's go back to middle guys. school when I'll things started it. to I'll break it down for you guys. Earl, <laughs> when he was shitting his pants playing video games. Yeah. How fantastic this would be! Who the fuck is Earl? Little- I was about to say our guest Errol, isn't named Errol. Earl. <laughs> Gosh hey, darn it, Rick! He's sitting there with his little Tonka toy and playing video games and just put two and two together, and this is how he came. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Started with Legos, moved on to ta- Tonka. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking you know, of that country no, with song. All, with all honesty, goodbye, Earl. No, where Earl had to die. You ever hear that? Yeah, goodbye, Earl. Yeah, it the pops Dixie in my Jakes. fucking head. I'm thinking of Earl here because we're talking about killing shit. <laughs> but what's the story of uh, <laughs> young Earl? Yeah, <laughs> Earl. Well, what's my story? Yeah. I know. I was um, messing with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I studied history actually. So for me, it's it, the fascination is kind of like seeing how technology affects people and how you how it improves society i think overall and and you have different eras you know we used to dig dirt with shovels then we added horses then we added steam power and hydraulics now we have robotics yeah and it's kind of a fascinating kind of historic arc in such a short period of time if you really yeah when you really think about how short of a time period it was that we were digging by hand and that's why this is so exciting to live right now yeah just the technology and to see what like what they're even getting into yeah and with the shortage of help this is just pretty interesting so were you a history major in like college or, or when you say you studied history, what do you mean by that? 
Yeah, I was a history major in college. Wow. Um, but in my free time, I would be, you know, developing, coding, uh, uh, you know, mostly building websites. So you're a huge and history apps. buff and then a giant nerd on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So, wow. Which is awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Way to slam the dick in the door. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And now, yeah. And now yeah. Like, so I'm going to make my own history. I didn't sell this appropriately. <laughs> Basically, we invite you on our podcast to, to insult you, apart. and then we say goodbye. <laughs> you know, it's it's cathartic. I is need it. it. I needed it. Don't, no, we don't know. quit tomorrow because your product is shit after the show. Please continue to do your job because you're making it better. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to do some good work, and you guys are just tearing it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. you know what? It, yeah, yeah, that's we're, what it's all about. We're, we're the kind of guy like after we sucker punch and you fall down, we're going to kick you on the way. <laughs> uh, that's what friends are for, really. Right? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's for. the important and thing. And the best part about it all is we'll record it and put it all our social media. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And and try <laughs> desperately to monetize it I somehow. Had to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all. That. That's that's the only cost. <laughs> so how did you go from being a history major to getting involved on the silicon valley side of things yeah that, i feel like that's a big because you started that, yeah, yeah that's you a, were born and raised in michigan right yeah born and raised all right and so when did you go to california boy. and i got to california you know we we me and my buddy started a little startup that was doing like uh cash registers for businesses but but digital you know online all right uh and we moved that company to California about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And, you know, worked on that for a few years. Didn't quite work out as we imagined. Um, we did not IPO that company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I actually started working with Noah. Um, and, you know, stepped back for a bit from, from tech for a while. Mm -hmm. And then jumped back into it when I was... What did you, you do when you stepped away from tech for a little while? You know, I worked at a uh, sure. kind of random. I kind of worked at an agency for a while, building products for other people. Damn it! I, I was hoping he was going to say like strip clubbing or something, or Ornly fans. You know what or he something. did? He watched a shitload of Terminator and a shitload of Bob the Builder, and then all of a sudden one day it clicked. Yeah, how do I put these? <laughs> yeah. So I, I got a question for you. Obviously, why did you move out of Michigan? Just try to start a company out in California for the startup. You know, I think at the time, especially early 2010s, um, Silicon Valley was really the place to be. Yeah, that was, uh, the, that was really that the was only the thing tech. that wasn't in the recession. You know, yeah. it just kind of. Yeah. That was the tech yeah. mecca. Had it happen. It was booming. You know, it's changed a lot since then. And, you know, if you want to build a successful startup, um, especially in these interesting industries, you don't have to be in Silicon Valley. You don't have to be in San Francisco. You can be um, anywhere now. Yeah. Yeah. So what the hell didn't you, why, why haven't you came back to Michigan? Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen to Matt getting all defensive. <laughs> you could have been, been out there with the deer flies and the mosquitoes. See, this is why you're yeah. in the yeah, <laughs> The weather. That's and why. The shit, winters. Winters. 696, oh, you know? God, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You haven't even been around. We have three years, three years of construction on 96 from Brighton to, uh, what 275 yeah, yeah. So yeah. towards like warren area and uh yeah. dude it is down to one or two lanes here and there it is a shit show like for three years <laughs> they're doing this just to make an extra like 
uh, what do you want to call so it? You're kind of contradicting yourself because no, you, no, you just, I'm, gave, I'm, hang on. You just gave him shit for not moving back to Michigan, but now you're shitting all over Michigan. Well, you don't so. have to live. <laughs> hey, I live in Michigan and I don't drive that route anymore. Girl, I'm like, why fuck aren't that. you here being miserable with the rest of us? <laughs> I crossed that part of the, the you know, state I, off I prefer, my list. Yeah, I just want my California traffic. That, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're the only fucking idiots that run 160,000 pounds down the road just so we could rebuild it next year. It's job security. Honestly. And then we got the smartest governor in the fucking <laughs> country. So not only do, are we oh, redoing 23 politics. right now, and 96, <laughs> and 59, and 275, yeah. and 69, hey, you know why? and 94. It's because of the Man. infrastructure bill. No, it's because she's the fucking dumb bitch is up for re-election. <laughs> oh, God. Bill Rhodes. Don't you remember her fucking slogan? I'm going to fix the roads. What, yeah? yeah? Fix the roads. Break the roads and fix them. Yeah. Make the roads great again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I'm going to be back for uh, Labor Day in Michigan. I'm I'm looking forward to these roads. Hell yeah. Hey, are you, so do you, I was going to ask, how often do you make it back? Quite a bit, actually. I mean, uh, holidays for sure. Thanksgiving, Christmas. And and during the summer, I like to go back a few times. Yeah. Well, well shit. When next you come time back you're for in Labor town, Day, bring yeah. one of those robots with you. We'll toss it on one of Rick's machines, and we'll fucking have fun with it. Oh, I was gonna offer yeah. a blunch, but that too. A blunt? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> brunch? Blunt? What? He said lunch. He said a blunch. Like I a blunt. Yeah. Lunch. I was like, what was that you just said? Totten's already for the podcast to be over, so he can get home. And <laughs> I'm just glad. <laughs> I'm just glad. I cut that out of my diet. I'm just glad Brian didn't say a bulldog. Is a carry-on. I think I can bring it as a carry-on. All right. Yeah, All right. there you go. There yeah. you go. That'd be fun. Yeah, fuck <laughs> Or I could put it on the airplane and I have the plane just autonomous. Oh, again. oh uh, shit. That'd, That'd be, be wild. I, you know what? I'm going to stop everybody that, right there. Give us I, the fucking controls. Well, I hate to burst everyone's bubble, but autopilot <laughs> has existed for some time now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the this one will make a giant hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah. But there was only one Scully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for the time being are are the robots at this point in time really dedicated to digging trenches or can you put them on a grading application and they're they're going to be able to do the full gamut yeah can we build roads yeah <laughs> you know it's we're, we're quite a far far ways from this kind of like robot that does everything mm -hmm. and right now we're just perfecting trenching okay we used to do some grading work uh, but we're hoping to rapidly kind of expand into other applications of autonomy all right so so primarily you're looking for pipeline guys uh maybe trench footers things applications where you're digging long stretches of straight trench or is this thing pretty yeah. good at making turns as well yeah i can handle turns really well um you know it's but but what you said earlier those long projects infrastructure energy Clean energy, solar, wind, uh, gas, um, just buried infrastructure, miles and miles, is really ideal for a robot. And a lot of these places are in remote areas, and it's hard to hire in those areas, so it's it's helpful to have a robot. I'd have to say the cost efficiency would be pretty substantial. Yeah, that's at the end of the day, it's like you know, you could dig more, you could spend less. I think that's the bottom line value of having autonomous uh, yeah. trenching. That's what I see. So I've seen pictures of the pack that goes on the back of these excavators. I mean, it's a it's a decently substantial piece of hardware. Beefy. Yeah. No, is it? So, hang on. So, so like a spider can monkey. You, can you put this thing on a mini or is it really f only full-size excavators that can handle this package? 
Oh, that sounded Ooh. sexy, didn't it? Yeah. Before we know the show's over, Brian's going to want one of these things to just latch on the back of his head <laughs> to run this package. All right, man. Can you program this bitch and attack that shit? Yeah. Does it integrate with Hitachi machines? Yeah. <laughs> great. That's great. Brian <laughs> and Greg are going to be fucking fighting one another. Oh, man. So, so is it capable of, of being equipped on the smaller machines, or is it only big ones? Yeah, you know, you know, size doesn't matter. You know, that's what she system. said. You know what? I get that from my wife all and, the time. And, and the guy that hits yeah. all the buttons has yet, with all the dick jokes, failed to hit the fucking button. You, you know what? I, I, know. Need, I, I do need, I know the audience is really suffering right now because we haven't had a single sound effect. His Errol, wife brought down some drinks for us that are amazing. We typically have sound so. effects. Hang on, Errol. But unfortunately, my eight-year-old didn't plug in the iPad and left me with 7% battery. So, unfortunately, we don't have fun sound effects tonight because I have no battery. Well, just, gotcha, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just go, just go, make the sound effects. That's, yeah. that's true. We should We should just, from now on, let's just make our own sound effects. Let's do it. Brian, you can do it. Oh, man. Well, I mean, so basically, to answer your question, um, it, it's pretty... It fits on most mid-size and larger uh, excavators. We can go pretty small, but but not too small. Usually, I think a cat three to three to five is or three to three is the smallest we've gone so far. Okay, so so you're still at a twenty-five ton machine. So that That's a decent size. Yeah. No, we have like a little We have an eight ton. All right. So so we're substantially so smaller. Small. All right. And, and you know what? Like you said, size doesn't. I don't know why everyone's yeah. <laughs> jumping the gun on size. Size doesn't matter, Matt. Hey, Rick's Rick's hey. wife's still with him. He has a small excavator. You so. know that's true. You I only got an eight tonner. <laughs> hey. hey, Brian is really productive with an eight tonner. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, see, it's it's how you use it. Exactly. Yeah. Thank exactly. you, Errol. It, it is big. about the skill. It is about how you move that baby. Mm -hmm. It is not about the size. It's all the motion of the hand. It's about efficiency and smoothness. See, we just we just made an eight ton excavator sound like it was something big. He's got the yeah. joystick. Uh, yes, that is that's yeah. what we call it—the yeah. joystick. See, Brian, Brian's, joystick. Got, Brian's got little man syndrome. He's so good at smoothing shit over all the rest of his life. Absolutely, that carries it out. Well, now hang on a second. Little man syndrome tr traditionally means you're pretty angry, but since I'm Mister Smooth, I feel like that doesn't that mean I'm just really rocking a big one. And that ends wow. the show. Let's just go on. <laughs> Where's the sound effect when you need it? Yeah, exactly. Boing. Exactly. <laughs> Boing. So now, now, since you've got into the heavy equipment uh, uh, field, have you been able to run any of these machines yourself? You know, I know you said the one guy started in his parents' backyard, built you know a pond that they may yeah. have not wanted. Now, have you got to dabble and see what the machines do, feel it out before you put the the robot to work? Yeah, and I have, and it's awesome. I mean, to move something that big is is still blows my mind. And you know? and what? There's so many, so I'm like, many jokes. Oh, no. Fourteen year old boys in this fucking. Yeah. So when it blows your mind, how far do you have your lips expanded? <laughs> 
Man, I really set myself up for that. <laughs> no, we're all just immature. You know what? I mean, you could just spin around and take it the other way if you I want. Told, I did warn you about this, Errol, when we talked about you coming on you this did. podcast. Because we last time Errol and I talked was on the dirt, which is a very formal, very like, professional. Talking, exactly. Very we're talking to dirt contractors. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast, but... And rape you. You should know yeah. we tell dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> And he, I'm like, in my defense, right. Errol volunteered for this. You did, right? Did. He's like, sign me up. Totally volunteered. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I don't you feel know, bad. You know what the funniest thing, though, is you don't actually realize we're just sitting here unclothed. That, that's not true. Right. That is not, that is not true. Rick is, and that's we're so all wild, very right? uncomfortable. That's the best thing about <laughs> working <laughs> remote now. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've got to dabble with the machines and get you know yeah. the feel of uh, running that stuff, huh? Yeah, and I think, uh, actually, I built... Everyone who works there goes through some basic training and has some familiarity. At it. Gotcha. That's kind of important to us because you can't build stuff if you don't know how the people who use it work and, and Correct. what the environment is like. So we go to job sites, we use the machinery, uh, uh, so we're not just you know idiots building software. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys, at this point in time with where the company is at, are you guys – focused on expanding on on what you've got with the excavators or are you working on expanding out to other pieces of equipment well without revealing too much oh, um, oh getting into the <laughs> spicy stuff the are the greater, <laughs> you know i you know it, there's lots to still do on excavators um but we're we're interested in expanding back out into other uh equipment classes that's yeah. awesome Any, yeah. So let me ask the big question that everyone wants to know. Do we as operators in this field need to be hyper aware and hyper alert that that Terminator is going to come take our job? Yeah, no, I, there's there's should be no fear. Um, Terminator is not coming to take your job. I, I think, you know, this is a tool. And at the end of the day, people decide what tools they want to use, how they want to use them. As an operator now, you have better tools to get your job done. Um, and, and we think if we could grow construction, it could be more productive. We could hire more people. We could grow the industry. And that's typically what we've seen when aut- automation has been added to other industries, like mining or, or automotive. Yeah. Um, they just get bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And, you create and, new kinds of jobs and uh, new opportunities. Well, yeah. and I was going to say, and at this point, you're kind of, like you mentioned earlier, you're almost at a one-to-one. You need an operator for yeah. every robotic machine. It's not even like you're taking someone's job. You're really just retooling and upgrading the skill set of the operator at that point, right? Well, we need a lot of these fucking yeah. things. Because I've seen some skill set out there lately. Well, well, and that's a whole other component of this is you can take, you don't have to be an expert operator. So I've seen, I've seen these guys run the shit out of their phone, but they can't run the shit out of the machine. Well, that's what I was about to say. So, so Errol, you guys are not operators. You're not heavy equipment operators that are programming these units, correct? No. And yet these units are able to dig perfect trenches. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I think We've used a lot of our knowledge working with operators and, and kind of creating software that could dig really, really good trenches. And even then, I mean, operators are still involved in use cases where robots can't quite dig that type of terrain. Yeah. yeah. But where I go mentally is everyone is so paranoid 
that that we're going to have this robotic technology and now all of a sudden you're going to have two operators for the entire job site and, and I think more realistically is you're going to take someone that really doesn't have the skill set that they can go out and operate an excavator themselves but they've been around technology their whole life they they enjoy the dirt industry and now you've found a way to mesh the two to where you still have created a job for someone that normally wouldn't be able to do that job in that field yeah that's a good point people who have interest in working construction have a way to get involved and people who are in construction now have better tools i could i could take that a little bit further to the guy that wasn't really worth keeping around is probably just turned around and doubled his salary because that piece of machine is that much more efficient than now they need this guy. Yeah. I could really see where that starts turning to the guy that could run the shit out of the phone. Maybe his skill set's fucking blow out in the field, but yet we're not going to lay him off this winter. We're going to go ship him down, get some training. When he comes back, he's going to be worth 10 times more to this company than what he was. Well, that kind of brings up an interesting point that I hadn't thought about. Have you guys done any dig offs with a, a, with a real world experienced operator versus your AI technology with a hmm. non operator that just knows how to work. The yeah. That software? just knows how to work the software. Yeah. Like bring it up hmm. here so we can beat Matt's ass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, I'll get my fingers <laughs> rocking on that board. <laughs> we want you know, to give him the trombone. While I'm drinking a beer. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the only way to do it. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's your you fuel. Drink on the now. <laughs> but but legitimately, have you put it head to head against a real operator to see kind of how it stacks up? Yeah, you know we've we've actually never done that before. Um, Labor Day weekend, I, boys. Michigan, Labor, <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 place we're renting is we're gonna tear it up. <laughs> right. Actually, I got a question though. Not yeah. only the touch on Brian's going head to head, but Rick's always trying to touch on me, by the way, Errol, right. just Brian's so you kind of understand the dynamics just here. Just to let you know, Brian's always trying to touch his head with my head and we're not yes. talking to one that talks. <laughs> Fucking sword fights. So, no wonder this is not a camera interview. Yes. That's right. That's, yeah, right. that's why we didn't go live on Instagram. We, we would have to Vaseline <laughs> smear the whole thing. <laughs> Our show would be canceled on all social media platforms. Yeah. When they look like, nah, we wouldn't go there. But have you guys thought of not only just going head to head with a really good operator, but actually hooking up the data to the machine and putting in multiple operators and actually dialing the most efficient way to move dirt? Because hmm. you got a guy that could, you know, for example, guy Do reaches level out cut. twenty feet, dumps his dumps the bucket, yeah. lets it fully curl out, and that's a twenty second rotation. Versus the guy goes out and he just kind of throws his bucket back and forth. He dumps dirt in nine seconds and comes back in and starts digging. Instead of going reaching all the way down, overextending and pulling and kind of doing like a little rat towel towards it, just chomping it to bit, eating like a cereal bowl now and if, throwing it out. If I understood that correctly, you don't like it when they reach all the way down? No, I don't. Okay. All right. I just want to reach. <laughs> I don't want them to reach all the way down. I want to, I want to get the party started now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the guy that throws the fucking confetti before we start because I want the finale. <laughs> Is that what we all live for? Like, have you ever, have you ever uh, watched people go to fireworks? They ain't there for the fucking little firework that goes off. They're there for the fucking finale, and they're all applauding oh, yeah. and clapping. You are so on, far off topic now. What the fuck just <laughs> happened? I'm sitting here enjoying listening to you. I'm like, dude, you just went down this fucking slippery slope. I told slope. you it was the fucking 
monster in the fucking uh, sour patch. You had, a, you had a great question though, and and to circle back to that, that is that is a great question. Have you guys what really? What was the question? Have you guys used real world operator data to kind of help uh, streamline yeah. and and make it more efficient? We've used some, and and then the machine learning models kind of model off of that, um, and we can always be using more too as, as it works in the field. An interesting thing we've noticed with operators is they'll sometimes see the robot do something, and it looks kind of funny. Uh, then they'll go in the machine, and they realize they're doing the same thing. Really? Uh, That's yeah. crazy. Interesting. You know, it's weird because as an operator, you don't really see yourself from the outside of the cab. Yeah. What you look like when you're operating. Good point. Interesting. And, well, and I'll tell you a prime example of that. We have a term in our household called the operator face and it and it's based off of when I was working full time at these dirt companies I noticed on these huge job sites every operator when they're concentrating has an operator face and it's and it's like a fingerprint no one's operator wow. face is the, the same. same yeah and so some guys stick their tongue out some guys have a scowl some guys bite their lip you bite their like it's the weird and it's hysterical if you're ever on a job site next time start looking around and oh, you're yeah. gonna start laughing because you're gonna notice all these operator faces and have, have you ever seen the guy that has the bedroom face like he's finishing Oh yeah, okay. yes, yes, and yeah. it is. It's awkward and uncomfortable, wow. it and, but it's like that's that his operator face. Podcast is awkward <laughs> un- and uncomfortable. Hey, like, can I interrupt? Is it okay if I interrupt? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you finish this dump, and then and then <laughs> give us your operator face. Oh yeah. Oh. That means a few times I've been in a cab. I have an operator face too. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it should be standard equipment that you've got a, a one of those beauty mirrors like the the girls yeah. use to get ready in the mornings. But it should be yeah. right there at face level. So in the middle of the day, you're trying to set a structure, and you just randomly out of the corner of your eye catch your face, and you're like, God That'd damn it! Great. <laughs> That'd be fucking little- great. Well, I knew I had Take that one day I set exactly. loose on the on the skidster with the FAA freaking head on it, dude. That was badass, just ripping through your neighbor's yard. Oh, dude, we you should have seen your face. Okay. <laughs> well, you couldn't even get the smile off your fucking face, dude. <laughs> I like Errol's idea. Just have a camera that takes a picture yeah. at you know at whatever the duration is, and at the end every, of the day, you get to see the slideshow of your operator. Yeah. That'd be badass. And then, incredible. And then start doing a challenge of seeing how long, how many hours you could hold it for. <laughs> it's like after, after the end of a amusement ride we'll sell you the photos <laughs> that's right you, you so, get the tv with them all displayed after out 30 years you have rusting bitch face like <laughs> so, Carol, getting into these machines obviously you've got to dabble in a little bit what do you find the most exciting with these machines when you actually get a chance in there to operate them like what really makes you just sit there and go holy shit we're really doing something yeah, I mean, well, okay, it, they're enormous, and just like climbing into them, you're you're just impressed how something so big and heavy under your own hands can actually feel very light. Yeah. Holy shit, like, dude! That was just a total dick setup. <laughs> <laughs> they're enormous. Just, and yet, man, it I feels am, so light in your hands. He was on a roll, and you just straight had yeah, to go. I was having a, yeah. a really heartfelt. That's uh, true. Let's come back to our you know, thirty-eight-year-old uh, life, you know. And, yeah. 
<laughs> Let's I go back to the dirt podcast. You know. <laughs> I give all your setups for all your jokes. <laughs> so, what is, what is so fascinating with all these machines, anyways, is you get into them. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, and I don't know how to say it without a. Without setting us up, I'll push the microphone. I have a away. gun to his head if he pulls another one. Yeah, it's all right. You, yeah, right? You're in a safe space now. We we have declared a safe space. You're in the okay. nest. They muted the mic. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just seeing all these massive things and how how quickly they can move on your hands and and how you can actually really manipulate the world around you. Uh, and it's just kind of like so exhilarating. I mean, you feel really excited to be able to just take. I mean, I guess it, it's like being a kid playing with toys and building stuff, but now at a scale that's you know human scale. It's bigger crazy. than human scale. Yeah, most so, definitely. So that is at, at the size. I, well, how? <laughs> I okay, yeah, here we go. I know it's impossible. So it's just we're you all know what, dude. God damn it! How big a machine? How big a one have you messed with? <laughs> the last minute of you talking, we let you talk, dude. We're all sitting there about to bust out laughing. It was like this is so bad. Just how big a one have you played with? <laughs> you can really manipulate the. <laughs> you just go walking around like that, just swinging. It was very well said, though. How you said it. it was, so, but in but in all honesty, uh, what is the the largest excavator that you guys go. have put your machine, your your equipment on, your unit on? <laughs> yeah, your X unit. Um, you know, uh, I, the largest machine I've operated just a bit was a three three six. Um, the largest we've gone on. I think has been a three three six. I, I feel like we've gone one weight class higher. Yeah. But off the top of my head, I think so three three six was the largest. That is that is one of the big draws to the industry for me was was exactly what you just said. As much as as much as we're playing on the dick jokes and everything, yeah. that is a huge, huge draw to this industry for me is it is incredible the the scale of machines that man can create to move dirt and then the efficiency at which it moves that dirt. So one of the largest machines on, on kind of the civil side before you, you step into the mining industry is the, is the cat three eighty five or three ninety five. Yeah. And, and those things, it, when the bucket drags across the ground, it sounds like a dumpster. I mean, it's just fucking massive, absolutely enormous. And yet you can walk up to that thing, you get in the cab and it runs just like any other excavator. It's got more weight behind it, obviously, but at the same time, all of the same motions you do, all of the same techniques you use, they all apply. And next thing you know, you're throwing around dumpsters worth of dirt like it's nothing. And you're so, reaching out about 75 feet from the cab. It, it easily. It's I mean, insane. When I ran a 385, it felt, the first couple times I ran it, it felt like you needed a set of binoculars just to see what was going on, yeah. where the bucket was, because it's so far you, out there. You run that machine. Yeah, it's so far <laughs> out there. And, and what was really... Uh, what really kind of gave me a, a nice little nut check was uh, I was loading concrete into semis. So we're talking full size semi trailers and they, they, you know, it was one of those temporary, Hey, go jump in there and load a couple trucks. And it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. So I hop in there and you're swinging around like you do normally. And one of my bucket teeth, just one tooth as I was going to swing back over the pile, barely caught the edge of that truck <laughs> and the Ooh. whole truck tipped up on two wheels and i'm like 
whole baby like yeah, that, the, the power, power behind yeah, all that. this and and yet in the cab i didn't feel anything yeah like that's how light the truck was compared had, to the overall machine i was like holy shit i had that <laughs> same exact story basically i got into 385 it was only like the first week on the job and i was fuck i was only 22 23 yep and they're like you load that you load the trucks with that i was like oh absolutely dude the haul trucks 735s or whatever the Yep. Big fuckers were. Oh, 745, yeah. 745s. Yep. And if you haven't ever grabbed like an eight yard bucket of fucking wet, sloppy mud, I got this fucker <laughs> just swinging. I hear you over there, Errol. You can't be pointing the finger at us. Yeah. I know. I'm straight myself. When I, when I fucking got done swinging, I fucking hit the side of that truck. I flipped the fucker over. Oh, you did really? Yeah, I Dude. actually flipped the whole oh. ass end over. And the Oof. fucking driver's face, dude, he just looked terrified. <laughs> well, fuck yeah, you're fleeing across the yard. You know, I was probably only like six feet like from the tour. cab. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's such yeah. a huge piece of equipment, too. You know, oh, that dump yeah. is huge. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is so uh, the, one of my first job sites I was on when I got into the industry, we had a D11, which is the largest dozer cat makes. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had the 385 excavator sitting there loading us. We had a 988 loader, which is one of, I think it's what, the third step down from the largest. I mean, it's huge. And then we were all driving 45-ton quarry trucks, so the rigid frame. When the fuel truck... Yeah, this is down Uh, in Texas. And so when, when the fuel truck would pull around, you were standing in what felt like the middle of a bunch of houses. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the D11 cranks up and raises his blade up. And as he tracks away, the whole ground is shaking underneath you. And you're like, this is incredible. (laughs) Like, I was, that, that was what solidified for me. I was exactly in the career path I wanted to be in. When that D11 tracked away and I felt the ground, I was like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's really a touch where they're going with the robotics is the cost of these machines, how expensive they are, yet how efficient these things really have to be Yeah, and need to be for production. I could really see where this robotics is really going to start changing. Because you imagine a D11 running around with robotics. You're yeah. not wasting any time, any pass. You're not wearing yeah, out the tracks. It. Yeah, you're just being 100% productive. What were you going to say, Errol? Oh, I just, yeah, just utilizing the machinery as, as much as possible. Yeah, it's yeah. it is incredible. Uh, the cost associated with these machines, and then you know to kind of tap into what you guys are saying, it is incredible to me too in this day and age how much inefficiency and waste there is still in this industry. Yeah, because of operators that just don't have a clue how to really operate. Yeah, I mean it's an art form, and it takes years to get good at. And hopefully, with automation, you could jumpstart that productivity gain. So oh, absolutely. I could see how many operators <clears throat> have you ever met that they could run the shit out of the machine, but yet they can't read a blueprint or know where yeah. they're at on a job. And this thing just tracks right on out. Starts the worst cutting. is that you find that out after the job's three quarters way done. You're like, shit. At, well, after they've told you yeah. that they're the best yeah. finished dozer yeah. operator you've uh, ever known. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I get the surveys out there for final and it's like, dude, everything is way off. I'm like, Oh fuck! <laughs> I shouldn't have sat in my trailer for the last month. <laughs> so, Errol, let oh, me so ask you've you. Had this before. Let me oh, ask yeah. you yeah. this: uh, being in your position and kind of knowing the behind-the-scenes stuff that we're not privy to, hmm. do you really foresee jobs getting taken over here in the next 
15-ish years by AI technology to where you're not going to have operators on the job? No, I, I, I really don't see that at all. I mean, uh, you do hear that a lot, the fear, but um, historically it's never happened. And the necessity for work, the amount of work that needs to be done is is out of control. I mean, yeah. we could hire everyone that needs to work and have automation and still need people. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there's a there's another thing. The more we use robots, you know, the more we might need other kinds of jobs to help support the robots. Correct. And we don't actually know what those might be. Um, you know, we, when we switch from horses to cars, you know, you got you know there weren't horse drivers anymore, but you had all sorts of new careers <laughs> pop up. Mechanics taxi drivers and, and, uh, and taxi drivers, yeah. <laughs> Uber. Well, you got me. You Uber. had mechanics. You had all the yeah. fuel stations that popped up. You had tire shops. I mean, think about the infrastructure yeah. that went into place just to supply those. And and, and you had to build ahead. roads because cars needed certain kinds of surfaces to drive on. Yep. Yeah, and you know it's. It's insane. And that's that's kind of what I've been trying to, because I get this question all the time through both Diesel and Iron, the, the YouTube channel, and then also The Dirt, the platform that I originally interviewed you on. Yeah. Everyone wants to know, what what are we going to do? They're going to take our jobs. And, and that's what I always try to tell people is you don't understand. For every job that's lost, quote unquote, in a seat of a machine, there is at least one job created elsewhere, whether it's, you know, I'm sure you guys throughout your time have hired actual operators to consult. Am I am I wrong there? Yeah, yeah, we have. And, and so you've got you've got that aspect. You've got the fact that you have to train. What did you call them? ROCs, remote. Oh, REOs, robotic equipment operators. Okay, REOs. Yeah. So you're going to be training REOs. So you still haven't technically gotten rid of the operator, even if you move to a point where one of these REOs could maintain six or seven of these machines and just kind of babysit them. You still have additional jobs. Uh, like you just stated, there's going to be sp- special infrastructure that has to go into place to actually let these machines run. You can't just drop an, a, an, an autonomous machine on a job site and it's going to go to town by itself. There's got to be a lot of prep work that goes into that. Those are jobs. I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure that goes yeah. into place that's going to require people. But it's also going to get a lot faster too, right? So the automation is going to only go so far even with you know the calculator and everything just uploading the data constantly you're still going to have someone behind the scenes constantly checking where the job's at well with it going twice as fast you're going to have to plan a little bit faster you're going to have to have someone that's actually coordinating more so it's not just going to be the superintendent that's just going to be dictating delegating hey let's order some trucks today this and that someone's going to go hey by tomorrow we need 100 tons of stone you know, so you're going to actually, the job's going to be moving faster, but it's, I would see it actually bringing in probably double the people that we would need now to really be efficient where we would go. Well, another aspect too is yeah, yeah. as as great and handy as these machines are for straight line trenching, and let's say the, the technology expands to where you can get even more flexible with it. I, I don't ever foresee, and, and Errol, in all honesty, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't ever foresee... AI taking over as the mainline digger for a pipe crew where you've got two guys down in the trench, you're moving trench boxes, you're digging around utilities, you got overhead lines. I don't ever foresee AI taking over that job. Am I, am I wrong on that, Errol? Yeah. You know, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, there's, you know, if you built something that works just like a human in every way possible, you know, why don't you just use a human? 
Yeah. So, you know, with automation robotics, they usually cap out at a certain point. Um, and the more complex, really finesse tasks or scenarios like you described yeah. will probably always be sort of dominated by people. Well, and that's what I, I couldn't think, agree more. I think you're spot on with that. And I really think due to the lack of skill set that we're starting to run into now, we're in this unique situation now where we got to really start utilizing the human skill set versus an artificial, what do you call it? AI? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. AI. So you you really got to start utilizing the skill set that these operators really have because you don't need someone that's making top-notch dollar just digging a trench for two or three miles. You do need them in the roads with the traffic, with the public, replacing and ripping out sewer mm-hmm. water. Setting main. grades, yeah. Correct. And I think, that's, I think that's where people really start getting scared of their job getting replaced. And it's like they're – on the fence where you guys are at with there's so many jobs that have to be done yet. We don't have all these people. We won't advance this world without AI without advancing our technology and implementing it. I mean, look at, I mean, the best way to look at it now is everybody's on their phone. We didn't have these phones 25 years ago. Now look at it. It runs their life and it's so instant and everybody has one. Yep. I would have to say that's where really the, equipment industry has to go due to the lack of skill set and the lack of people that are entering the trades. Yeah. Yeah. Really well put. So what's been, uh, what's been some of the biggest pushbacks? Like, have you guys had any heated conversations with some of the operators out there in the world as you're introducing this kind of stuff? Have you felt any kind of resistance from the operating force? You know, not, not, not really. I mean, a, a lot of skepticism at first, and I think that's because, you know, don't talk about it, show it. So, you know, they, they like to see it working, and once they see it working, they're, they're sort of convinced. I think operators tend to be good advocates because they know how it's, how it's like. They know how tough the job is. Yeah. Uh, they know that having the right tools is the right way to do work. Correct. And, and when they see robotics, they're like, hey, this is this is a good direction. Yeah, that's awesome. Now I got a question for you. Is we're slowly starting to get towards the end of the podcast here. If you could give any advice to the operators in this industry, what would it be with the AI technology? Yeah, I'd say the number one thing to do is have an open mind and get engaged early on with the technology. Yeah. You know, it's, good, it's good to be get ahead of the game. number one, then number 100. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Embrace you it. Know, if you embrace it, you get to also control how it gets used. You Correct. Know? You yeah. get to be part of its destiny. Very well said. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Well, Hey man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and I can't wait to learn more about you guys, your guys' equipment. But, uh, with this being said, if you could change anything, what would be your dream job? Wow, this is you guys. You guys ask all the tough questions. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, we do. This is the Matt motherfucking yeah. Totten question. He's known for joke. this question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> porn star. You want to be a fucking porn star, baby? Honestly, you know, I, I kind of would want to be a carpenter. Really? I mean, something, something. You know, I could just build stuff with my own two hands. 
Now, now, when you say carpenter, do you mean are you talking finished carpentry or are you talking rough carpentry? We're framing. We're not talking about millwork or fine furniture. furniture. <laughs> I think furniture, cabinet making, I guess. Or oh, just, or, okay, all right, all right. That's awesome, awesome. Man. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Hey, it's never too late. Now, now that never being said, I, I am my boss. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I am kind of curious. Um, now that you're kind of getting involved in the trades through this has that kind of sparked something for you has it kind of a job well well not even necessarily that i'm kind of curious has it made you more aware of what the trades are about and and kind of placed a higher value on the trades i guess i'm is is where i'm questioning the redhead stepchild showcasing their skill set and what they're doing yeah yeah absolutely i mean you you also realize how big the trades are Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you realize in a job site, there are just dozens of professions and skill sets and organizations that, that are needed to build a home or build a school or put a road in. Uh, and you don't, you don't see that narrative. You don't see that from the outside. You kind yeah. of just see people in orange vests and you're like, okay, cool. Yep. But keep on dive in, you're like, hey, there's the cause wow. of my traffic issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Those fucking assholes. Orange cones. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it really does touch home and it really hits for a lot of the people i think you get this whole new respect for something you didn't even know really how big it was yeah that that's what she said <laughs> that's what she and then I'm that boy. <laughs> boy. well errol th- thank you so much for uh not only being on the podcast but specifically tonight thank you for yeah, your very pleasure. very big tolerance for the dick jokes yeah <laughs> <laughs> we always go out swinging <laughs> Yeah, it's nothing I knew it. Hit home runs. Hell yeah, yeah, brother. Well, thank you again for being on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, it was. Thank you. Thank you again. And thank you for all of our listeners for listening. Be sure to check us out. We're on all the podcasting platforms. Check out, we've got a Patreon account now so that you can actually support the show. Uh, Check us out. We're all over social media, Instagram. We got a social, yeah, we've got a website coming. Uh, Just check us out and reach out too. We love hearing from you guys. We love talking with you guys. And that being said, we'll catch you guys next week on Sweat and Grind. Peace, y'all. Later.